I want to give us kind of an overview of the past seven months of ministry. Don't worry, it's not going to take long. The fall semester, our theme was brokenness. Your brokenness, we're all broken, is welcome here. If you are ever thinking about, oh, I I shouldn't come to church today because I'm too broken, I messed up too much last night, um, your brokenness is welcome here. It's encouraged here. So never let the enemy fool you. Never let him psych you out from coming to church because you messed up because your brokenness, my brokenness, is welcome here. That's the kind of God we serve. So for the last semester, we pressed into this idea of your brokenness is, in fact, welcome here. And we see that in Matthew 5, which was kind of our um, leading passage of Scripture all last semester. Matthew 5 says, God blesses those who are broken, thank you so much, and who realize their need for him. In fact, the kingdom of heaven, God says, belongs to such as these. So, God blesses those who are broken. He doesn't shun them. He doesn't admonish them. He doesn't turn his back on them. God blesses those who admit they're broken and who realize their need for him. It's not enough that we just know we're broken, messed up people. God wants us to use that understanding that I can't and say, but you can. I'm broken, you can make me whole. I'm less than, you can make me more than. We sat in that, we walked through that all last semester. And then at Freedom Weekend, we confessed that brokenness. We really owned it, we really embraced it, and then we gave it to God and said, I am broken, you are right. I do need you. We confessed our brokenness, and we confessed, I need God. And how did God respond to us? He responded by saying, I will make you shepherds of fire. He didn't say, okay, you've messed up real bad, so thanks for acknowledging it, but sidelines. No, he said, you've messed up, just like every man, woman, and child ever on this earth has, but you know what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to take your vulnerability. I'm going to take your honesty. I'm going to take your desire for me, and I'm going to make you shepherds of fire. And please know, you did not have to attend freedom for that to be true. It's true for every single one of us in this room. I will make you of shepherds of fire, and P.S., here's your marching orders. Here's your directive. Here's your mission for this spring semester, this year, 2019, and we find that in Philippians 2.13. Friends, That's who we are to the Lord. We're his friends. Friends, God is working in you, and he is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you, giving us right now the desire and the power not to know about him, but to go and do what pleases him. And just last week, we've done this over time, but just last week, one more time, We invited God, yes, I want it, give me the desire, give me the power to do what pleases you, to put my faith in action. So we know the desire is there because God is giving it to us. The power is there because God is offering it to us. And so where are we now? We're at a place where there ain't nothing to it but to do it, just Let's start doing it. Let's start doing God's will. Let's start living in his perfect will for us on a daily basis and for the rest of our life basis. Now, as we enter this new season, I want to read us a word of warning. I want to read us kind of um, a reminder that there's going to be temptation along the way. 
In fact, there's going to be some temptation right at the starting gate. And some of us are already feeling it. Here's the word. Deuteronomy chapter 1. We, God's people, set out from Horeb and we headed for the Amorite hill country. Going through a huge and frightening wilderness all under the command of God. And after we finally arrived to the promised land, that's where God's leading us, the promised land, I told you, the preacher told them, the the man of God said, look, we made it. God has placed this land as a gift before you. This is 2019. This is the spring semester. This is the year God said, I will make you shepherds of fire. He's leading us somewhere new. He's presenting it right for us. He's like, it's here for the taking. Look, we made it. God has placed this land as a gift before you. Now go ahead and take it. For God promised it to every single one of us. Don't be afraid and don't lose heart. But instead... You all came to me and you said, you know what, that sounds great, but let's do this. Let's send some people ahead to scout out the promised land for us and then bring back a report on the, on the best route to take and the, the kinds of towns that we can expect to find. Now, that seemed like a good idea to me, so I picked 12 men, one from each tribe, And they set out, and they climbed through the hills, and they came to the promised land, and they looked over the people and the produce that they found there. And they took samples of the produce, and they brought it back to us, and they said, the land that God is giving us is good. So the people were a little freaked out. They're like, this is a big task. Let's just send some other guys to go check it out. And they went and checked it out, and they saw the people in the promised land, and they saw the produce, and they're like, hey, you know what? It's good. It is good. So, all right, they just took that excuse off the table, and yet it says, but even after this encouragement, you still weren't willing to go up and fight for what is yours. You rebelled against what God told you to do, and I love this right here, sitting in your tents and complaining to each other. That convicts me. God's calling us to do this great thing. And rather than get up and just go, because it's new and it's scary, we as people like to kind of sit down in our tents and just complain to each other. And I'm the chief sinner in that regard. Sitting in your tents, you complain to each other, what? God hates us. That's why he brought us out of slavery. That's why he rescued us at Freedom Weekend. That's why he responds when we confess our sin. It's because he hates us. He just wants to hand us over to our enemies. They're going to destroy us. God tells us, go up. But go up where? The report of those that we sent was terrifying. Because the people in the promised land are bigger than us. They're taller than us. Their cities are huge with walls as high as the sky. They even saw giants there. Now, I tried to relieve your fears. Don't be scared of them. For God, the Lord of heaven's armies, is leading the way. He's fighting for you. You saw with your own eyes what he did for you in Egypt. You saw what he did at Freedom Weekend. You saw what he did in the wilderness. How God carried you as a father carries his child, carried you the whole way until you arrived here. But now that you're here, 
Now that you've seen God in action and you're here and you've got to take a step of faith, you won't trust him. Um, friends, students, we are literally on the border of the promised land, of this new season of living in God's desires for us, embracing God's power for us, and doing what he calls us to do, which is literally changing the world. And God is welcoming us into that promised land with open arms, and he's inviting us into an adventure of a lifetime. And I know that the temptation is there to like, hang back and let other people go in your stead, to refuse to grow in your faith, in your understanding of who God calls you, to complain about new challenges. Oh, man, this has changed, and I don't like it. The temptation to do those things is real, and some of us are already struggling with it. Um, today, I just want to encourage you. It's just an encouragement today. Um, let's accept the challenge. Let's just embrace it. Let's just re-apply um, ourselves to saying yes to Jesus. Let's accept the challenge. Let's receive what God is offering. Let's do better than our ancestors before us, even better than our parents have done before us. Let's be people that don't just listen to God's word, learn about God's word, know what the Bible says. Let's be people that do it. Let's be people that decide, I don't want to just fit in anymore. I did that all last semester, and it, it, it stunk. It, it hurt. It was boring. It was painful. It's like banging my head against the wall over and over and over. Let's be people that choose to stop pretending that we're like everybody else because none of you in this room were made to be just like everybody else. I want to show you a picture. It might be a little confusing at first, so hang with me for a few minutes after we see it. But I want to show you a picture of what I see when I look, not at you, but us. I see greatness. I see superheroes who just don't know it yet. Check out this clip. Suspects on northbound 110. Heavy gunfire exchanged. We need backup. Fellas, listen, give yourselves up quietly. Okay. latest act of so-called heroics has once again enraged city officials. I can smell that liquor on your breath. Because I've been drinking. How about you, thickness? Goggles? Hancock, son of a gun. I knew you'd come. Stop crying. Not okay. I do public relations. People don't like you, Hancock. I look like I care what people think. I think you're wasting your time with this guy. Pulled some stuff up on YouTube. Everybody remembers Walter, the gray whale. He was stuck on the beach. Along comes Hancock. Oh, my God. I don't even remember that. Greenpeace does. You're a superhero, for God's sakes. People should love you. How are we going to do that, right? You're a superhero. Well, how are we going to fix that? How are we going to let people know that? How am I going to walk that out? Um, Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. God, you guys should know this. And if you don't, listen, listen to what God is saying to us. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I beg you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind 
that he will find acceptable. For this is truly the way to worship him. The true way to worship God is to give our whole selves to him. So if you haven't done that yet, if I haven't done that yet, then we're not truly worshiping him. And it goes on. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, of your, of your friends at school that make bad decisions and yet are considered cool for doing so. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, let him transform you into a brand new person. How? By changing the way that you think about who he is and about who he created you to be. If you do that, it says, then you will learn to know what? God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want you to think back to Freedom Weekend, those of you that attended, and and the week surrounding Freedom Weekend. And I want you to think back, if you weren't there, just to the cross of Jesus Christ and the fact that God sent his one and only son to die in your place and mine. What has God done for us as we remember those things? He sacrificed his only son. That's love. I can't imagine what it would be like to to kill my son, my three-month-old little boy, River, for you. I can't even get my mind around it. And yet God did that for us, for me, for you, because that's how much he loved us. That's huge. He set us free from sin and shame and fear. He set us free from death. He called us by name. He's literally calling out to you this morning by your name. He has given us a new life, a promised land, an adventure to walk into. He's given us the Holy Spirit, our our jumpsuit. It's covering us. It's protecting us. He's already promised us an eternity in heaven, which will make this life seem like the blink of an eye. And all that he asks in return for all of this and more is love me and love other people. Love me. And love the people around you. That's the only thing he asks us to do in return. So let's let's kind of take our own temperature. And this is just between you and the Lord right now. But how are you doing in those things? Are you loving God actively every day? Like You know the answer. I don't. It's just between you and him. But just how am I? How am I doing? Loving the Lord. Which in the Bible says if you want to love me, you demonstrate it by obeying me. By doing what I call you to do, putting your faith in action. How are you doing? Are you praying regularly to the Lord? Are you quicker to pray about your problems or complain about them to your friends? I, I, I wrestle with this one, but we're supposed to pray, right? How are you doing? How are you doing when it comes to worship? Like, are you all in Sunday morning and really every other day, like worshiping God, singing to God, loving the Lord with your mouth, with the praise of your heart, of just being grateful. This is such an easy season to love the Lord because it's so beautiful. Like flowers are just exploding overnight. Trees are, that looked dead are, are brand new and alive. How are you doing worshiping God? How are you doing obeying what God has called you to do? Have, have you felt like he's put it on your heart to read the Bible every day? Uh, I hope so. I'll, I'll be honest. He is putting that on your heart. How are you doing? How are you doing when it comes to loving people? And not just loving them, but loving them the way that Jesus loved them. By saying, I'm going to seek what's best for you over what's best for me. How are you doing? Again, it's just between you and the Lord. Um, How are you doing in those things? And then a second set of questions is like it. Um, Or, right? 
How are you doing, doing what God calls you to do? Or are you settling for less? Um, here's the promised land, but I'm just going to hang back. Um, how are you doing when it comes to serving others, or are you serving yourself more? I want to be at the front of the line. I want the best piece of chicken, especially if it's like really good chicken. How are you doing when it comes to copying the behaviors and customs of people around you? Are you quicker to mimic people who get attention for bad behavior, or are you quicker to mimic the, uh, the way that God lived and acted? Um, are you living a common life? And we'll get back to that word common later. But do you feel like your life is just kind of common, just kind of ordinary? Again, only you, only I know the answer to these questions. But even as I read them, I'll be honest, there are some things in here that I really need to um, submit to the Lord and ask him to help me with. Wherever you're at, I want you to know that there is greatness in you right now. There is greatness in every single one of you who hears my voice right now. There is a superhero in every single one of you right now. And I know that because I know Hebrews chapter 11 is true. You want to read a chapter of the Bible this week? You go read Hebrews chapter 11. It will light you up. Here's a snippet of what it says. By faith, God's people, that's you, overthrow kingdoms. You have the power to do that right now. By faith, God's people rule with justice. They receive what God promises them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quench flames of fire. They escape death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness is turned into strength. They become strong in battle, and they put whole armies to flight. That is how God sees every one of us in this room right now. Not tomorrow, not after we've earned it. Right now, that's how God sees you, and that's how God sees me. That right there is what God is wanting us to do, these things. Now, Hancock had everything he needed. He had everything that he needed to be a superhero. He just didn't know it yet. He just didn't understand how to use what he'd been given. Um, and the same is true for you, and the same was true for me. I still have a ways to go, but I have lived on this earth longer. I have walked with Jesus longer than you. So there have been some things that I have gleaned along the way. Um, I want to share a quote with you before I share a little bit of my own story with you. And here's the quote. People don't tend to just stumble into greatness. They need to be invited into greatness. Now, my story 10 years ago, I was invited into something great, into something bigger than me, into the promised land. Um, at the time of this invitation, I was married to Brooke, and I was living at her parents' house with her in California. Um, I did not have a job at the time. I did not have a college degree at the time. I felt purposeless at the time. Um, I was not using my gifts and talents at the time. I was basically just kind of hanging out at her parents' house, killing time, waiting for something to happen. I don't know what. But I wasn't being super active on trying to figure it out. I was just kind of hanging out, watching TV with her dad and going for walks on the beach. Until someone invited me to do something great. Um, we decided 
California is not for us. We felt like the Lord said, I want you to go back to Texas. And so we pack up our stuff and we're going to leave the next day and come back to the woodlands for we didn't know what. And when we were about to do that, I phoned my friend, Jason, and I said, hey, we're moving back to Texas. Do you know anyone that might be hiring a photographer or a graphic designer because I know how to do those things? And I didn't want to go back to the life I left, which was real estate. And when I called Jason and asked for, do you know someone hiring for this? He said, no, I don't. But five minutes ago, my last prospect for a student ministry pastor position walked out of my office and they're not going to work. So I have to ask myself, you just called me basically asking for a job and I just realized I need to hire someone. Maybe you're supposed to apply for that. Maybe you're supposed to be the student minister for the Woods Edge Community Church. And I was like, no. No, thank you. Hard pass. Work with teenagers? Are you kidding? Have you smelled those people? Right? I, I did not have a good teenage season of life. And so I was like, there's no way I want to step into that on purpose. But my bigger reasons for saying no to Jason were insecurity. Seriously, you think I have something to offer to students, to teenagers in the woodlands? Um, I started listing to Jason and to myself all the reasons why I was unqualified. Um, Jason, I'm too broken. Like, I was an alcoholic. I'm not educated. I don't have a college degree, let alone a seminary degree. I'm too small. I'm too powerless. What you were inviting me to do is too big, and I'm like down here. And basically, I kind of sat down in my tent, and I started complaining and listing off why I was too common for something so wonderful. But as I sat there complaining about stepping into the promised land of what God had for me, as I sat there listing off my insecurities with some encouragement from my bride, I stopped, kind of like you have an opportunity today to stop, and I prayed about it instead. You know what? I could talk myself right out of this opportunity, but how about I pray about it instead? And so, I want you to know something, that today, if you haven't known for the last couple months, know it today, I am inviting you, God is inviting you, the student ministry staff, volunteers, we are inviting you to be great, to be part of something greater than yourselves. And it will require a step of faith to trust God, to believe in yourselves, to love people, to be shepherds of fire. And you should pray about this invitation. You shouldn't just take my word for it. You should talk to the Lord about it. You should ask him, do you want this for me? Do you see me this way? And so we're going to do that right now. But I'm going to let you know a little secret before we pray. I already know what God is going to say to you. Um, because it's the exact same thing he said to me 10 years ago. I want you to grab your pen and paper. Not the prayer card. The white card, the square card. No, nope, it's more of a rectangle. Um, I want you to write a couple things down real fast. Start off with this. Lord, do you want me to? Write that down. Lord, comma, do you want me to? And I'm going to list a couple things, and you can write all of them, or you can just write the ones that maybe resonate with you. But the first additive to that question, Lord, do you want me to? Step out in faith. That's question number one. 
step out in faith. Second one, Lord, do you want me to trust you? Do you want me to believe in myself? Do you want me to love people? Last one, do you want to make me a shepherd of fire? Here is God's answer to that question. And it is the same scripture that God led me to 10 years ago when I asked the same questions. Do you want me to be part of something bigger than myself for the glory of your name? Because that's basically what you asked. And I opened the Bible and I landed on Isaiah chapter 49 verses 1 through 7, which spoke to me so much, I put it on my arm so I don't always remember that I do not get up here and speak for the Lord and love you guys in the name of Jesus because of me, but because of him. Here is the answer to God that God has for you for the questions you just wrote down. The Lord called me, which is you, before my birth, before you were born, God called you. From within the womb, he called you by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant and you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work. Like my life, it seems so useless, Lord. I have spent my strength and my time for nothing, to no purpose. Yet, I I will leave it all in the hands of the Lord. I will trust God for my reward. And now the Lord responds, the one who formed me in my mother's womb, to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring his people Back to him. Do you see how the author of this is already owning what God has already said? Like he's already changing the way that he thinks. And this is what he said. The Lord has honored me. And my God has given me strength. And he says, oh, you'll do more. You will do more than just restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you, students of Wood's Edge, a light to the nations. And you will bring my salvation to the very ends of the earth. Those words in Isaiah 49 are for every single one of you in this room. That's how God sees you. Not tomorrow, not next month, but right now, today. As lights in a dark world. As difference makers for good. As banditos, as ambassadors, as shepherds of the fire of God. That is who you were created to be from before you were born. You were made, and I was made to be great. And so the only question remains, because God said so, the only question remains, are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to learn how to use what God has been giving us this semester? 2 Timothy 1, chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 13 says, Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Jesus Christ. 
whether you know it or not, God has given this student ministry a pattern, um, a method, a model of discipleship, of wholesome teaching. And it is called the Vineyard Initiative. Who in the room has heard of the Vineyard Initiative? Several of you. I'll give you some backstory. Seven years ago, when our church said our vision statement is going to begin with everybody that's part of this church is a disciple and goes and makes disciples, I sat down with the Lord and I said, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for the student ministry? How do you make disciples? What does that even mean? Where do we start? And God showed me Isaiah, chapter 1 through 4, and then 5. Chapters 1 through 4 of Isaiah basically describe a culture and a world that is going to hell and just living for themselves, and you can go read it this afternoon, but it's basically the culture and the world that we live in today. Me, 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 me. That was the culture. And God said, guys, you're hurting yourselves. And then out of nowhere, he has this little two-verse song that answers the question, how do we get back to the Lord? How do we put our faith in action? Isaiah 5, 1 through 2 says this, now I will sing for the one that I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, he cleared its stones, he planted it with the best vines. In the middle of the vineyard, he built a watchtower, and then he carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. And then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. But because they complained, because they didn't go and do Because they didn't put their faith in action, the grapes that grew were bitter, useless. Inside these two verses, Isaiah 5, 1 and 2, there are seven verbs, seven action steps of discipleship. Everything that you will ever need in your life to do the will of God, to be an effective disciple of Jesus Christ. And I believe, I know from experience, these verbs put in action by individuals and the student ministry. These work. These verbs save lives when walked in through faith. Um, These verbs protect eternities. These verbs, walking them out, help people experience Jesus Christ. Some of you are part of the student ministry. Man, I I never really experienced Jesus. I never really feel Jesus. If you walk these out, you will. I promise. I promise. Now, the first verb which is what this morning is all about, is implied. And it's the verb receive, the action of receiving. How does your relationship with Jesus Christ begin? It's a gift, but you have to choose to receive it. Receive what? The rich and fertile hill. Imagine a rich, fertile hill. It's got everything that you need. It's the promised land. You want it? Well, you just got to choose to receive it. Yes, Lord, give it to me. Receive. Your identity in Jesus Christ, shepherd the fire. Receive your calling in the name of Jesus to be a shepherd of fire. Receive your purpose to shepherd the fire of God in the life of yourself and everyone that you know. To let people know in a way that shines out in the darkness, Jesus is real. I need him. I got him. I want to share him with you. How do we do that? Let's start believing what God says about us instead of what we say about ourselves. Let's see what happens if we believe what this book says about us, what your pastor says about you instead of what the world says about you and social media say about you. For the next seven or eight weeks, 
I am going to stand up here every week as I am today, and all I'm going to do is tell you who you are in the eyes of Jesus Christ and how he sees you. Not if you do these things, but how he sees you now. And if it's how he sees us now, if it's what he says, like God said so, then let's just be that person. Let's be and do those things. Let's walk it out. And it all starts today by saying, I want that. I receive that. Keeping in line with the superhero motif of the morning and probably the series, I'm going to end with a quote from a movie, and the quote has to do with superheroes. And here it is. As you know, I'm quite keen on comic books, which is interesting because I am too. As you know, I'm quite keen on comic books, especially the ones about superheroes. I find the whole mythology surrounding superheroes fascinating. Take my favorite superhero, Superman. Not a great comic book, not particularly well drawn, but the mythology. The mythology is not only great, it's unique. Now, a staple of the superhero mythology is there's the superhero and there's the alter ego. Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. Spider-Man is actually Peter Parker. When the character wakes up in the morning, he's Peter Parker. He has to put on a costume to become Spider-Man. And it is in that characteristic that Superman stands alone. Superman didn't become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent. His outfit with the big red S, that was the blanket that he was wrapped in as a baby when the Kents found him. Those are his clothes. What Kent chooses to wear, the glasses, the business suit, that's the costume. That's the costume Superman wears to blend in with us. And what are the characteristics of Clark Kent? He's weak. He's unsure of himself. He acts like a coward. That right there, students, is what is stopping us from being great. We are choosing to hide our true identity in Jesus Christ. We are choosing to settle for less. In fact, we are choosing to live lives that are common when we were made for something so much greater. I, I looked this word up in the Old Testament. Common means defilement. To be common means to be defiled because God's people weren't made to be common. We were made to be extraordinary, supernatural heroes of God that shut the mouths of lions and quench flames of fire, that charge all by ourselves in some instances against whole armies, and the armies are like, ah, run, here comes joy. God did not create you or I to be common. He made you for greatness. But we choose to defile ourselves when we settle for less than what God calls us to, when we make excuses, and when we don't obey the Lord. We were created. Listen to me. You were created for extraordinary things, for a supernatural life, where when you pray, heaven opens and stuff happens. And God loves the faith of students. That's why he picked students when he came to earth as his 12 disciples. 
God says, you, Wood's Edge, will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I am making you a light to the nations, and you will bring my salvation, not to the end of the woodlands, not to the end of Conroe, to the ends of the earth. By faith, students, you will overthrow kingdoms. You will rule with justice. You will receive what God has promised. You will shut the mouths of lions, quench the flames of fire. You will escape death by the edge of the sword. You will become strong in battle. You'll put whole armies to flight. That is what God is calling us to. And he has already given us everything we need to do it. We just need to say I'm in. Bailey and Ban, take the stage. Students, grab your prayer tags and your pen, and we're going to pray in response to what God is saying to us today. At the top of your prayer tag, I just want you to write the word receive. And if you want to put your name up there so we can pray for you by name later, you can, but you don't have to. But just write the word receive. And remember, I before E except after C. I'm funny. You like it. I want you to write out a prayer. And you can write this part out or you can just ask the Lord and write what he says in response. But whether in pen or just prayer, would you just ask God right now, how do you see me, Lord? Knowing all the scriptures that I've just spoken over you and to you from the mouth of God, will you just ask the Lord right now, how do you see me? Not how do I see myself. Not how do people that insult me see me. How do you, Lord, Father, God who loves me and calls me by my name, how do you see me? And if some of the passages I read this morning come to mind, write it down. If some of the words like warrior, like conqueror, if things like that come to mind, write them down. Servant, light, shepherd of fire. If those things are coming to mind, and they should, because that's how he sees you, that's what he's calling you today, just write it down, own it. How do you see me, Lord? you're still hearing what he sees you as, who he calls you, how marvelous he pictures you, just keep writing. But a second question, the last question is, prepare me for action. Prepare me for a year of changing the world, of changing the way that I think, of changing the way other people around me think about who you really are, about who you really call us. Prepare me for action, maybe, for you this morning, you just write the phrase, I am all in. I want this. I want to be part of something great. I accept the invitation. I don't want you guys to stop writing, so just keep writing. But you know we have a variety of ways to respond this morning to what we heard in addition to this prayer. We have tithe, communion, worship. We've got prayer partners in the back of the room. You can come and pray with us. But write out those prayers. Be all in. Drop them off in the offering, and we will pray for you too. But know this as you leave here in a few minutes. God is inviting you to be part of something amazing. I don't want a single one of you to be left behind. 
if you have a mustard seed of faith that maybe God could use you, you're going to do fine. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for inviting us into the greatest adventure that this life has to offer. We receive it. We want it. We see the promised land. You're painting a picture of what it looks like. We say yes to it, to you, to how you see us. I pray that every one of us in this room, when we wake up tomorrow, will just feel stronger than we did today. We'll feel more whole. We'll feel more equipped to step out into the world and shine. Because why? You said so. You're going to do it. Not by our power. Not our will. Yours. We need it. We invite it. Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.